JJ Mental Coach Podcast, where business owners and aspiring entrepreneurs open their minds to new ideas and concepts that will help you during your entrepreneurial journey and during your consistent pursuit of becoming the best version of yourself personally and professionally. It's time to go beyond the map with the host of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast, Gustavo Dantas. Welcome to episode 23. I'm your host, Gustavo Dantas. And in this episode, I interviewed a friend of mine, AJ Scales. AJ is a black belt from Canada who won his division at the IBJJF Masters World Championship in 2017. He talked about the importance of entrepreneurs having mentors and how they can be a big influence in your success. And he also shared the concept that he learned from the book, The Power of Focus from Jack Canfield, which is the title of the podcast. Think big act small. I hope you enjoyed the interview right after this message from Live Jiu-Jitsu. Os. The BJJ Mental Coach Podcast is a proud supporter of the nonprofit organization Live Jiu-Jitsu. Live Jiu-Jitsu supports social projects in Brazil and the United States who offer free jiu-jitsu classes to unprivileged children and young adults in impoverished communities, inspiring, impacting, and improving their lives, keeping them away from drugs and crime, creating hope, and creating champions on and off the mats. Your donation helps projects to buy new mats, uniforms, tournament registrations, and the monthly expenses of these projects. As a supporter, the BJJ Mental Coaches donate all the profit of t-shirts and patches sales to Live Jiu-Jitsu. For more information, please visit www.liveju-jitsu.org. It's www.liveju-jitsu.org. Let me introduce you to today's guest, AJ Scales. AJ is a Canadian black belt in jiu-jitsu under Wagner Fabiano from Nova Union. AJ owns and operates Complete Martial Arts and Fitness located in Regina, Saskatchewan, and he is the main promoter for the Saskatchewan BJJ Federation. AJ started his martial arts journey in 1991 when he discovered kickboxing, then eventually judo to finally in 1999 starting his BJJ journey. He traveled extensively to Rio de Janeiro, Brazil to further his training at the Nova Union headquarters and received his black belt in 2009. AJ kept off a successful competition career that began in 2000 by winning the IBJJF Masters World Championship in 2017. AJ also has an undefeated record in MMA, standing a 4-0. AJ believes competition is a huge component of achieving success in life. Welcome to the show, AJ. Thank you, Professor Gustavo. This is awesome. Actually, in one of those your trips to Brazil, that's how we connected. I don't yes, remember I, what year was it. Dude, I remember. I remember it was 2004. You had uh, one of your students who was a purple belt at the time. You brought him down to fight in the world. Both oh, the yeah. Rosenberg, Mundial. right? Rosenberg, yeah. Yeah. Mund- yeah, he fought in the Mundial and then he fought in the, the Copa do Mundo. I remember because he fought with uh, Chris Brown from Australia. Mm-hmm. Um, in in uh, I think it was the Mundial, the IBJJF one, and and that was a big fight for for Rosenberg at the time because Chris was no joke, man. Yeah, you know, he he fought as a wrestler for the Australian Olympic team, and you know I remember Rosenberg ended up beating him in that in that tournament. That was 2004, man. That was the first time I met you. Awesome. So how did BJJ show up in your life? Man, you know what? I have like a similar story to everyone that started jujitsu in the 90s. You know, a buddy of mine came over to my place with a VHS tape saying, hey, check this out. 
there's this skinny little jujitsu guy beating up all the wrestlers. And, mm. you know, my buddy was a wrestler, a high level wrestler in high school and everything like that. So we sat down in my living room and we popped it in and we watched Hoist Gracie strangle everybody, man. So, you know, we started fooling around with some moves and, you know, there wasn't a big scene. There was no scene at all in my city for jujitsu. Um, and so that was like in high school. So I, I, I'm going to say that was like 90, 95, 94 that, you know, we discovered this. I think it was like maybe USC two, And then, um, you know, then jujitsu didn't start until I was like uh, 22 years old. And I think that was roughly around 99, 98. I, I kind of get the, the, the years mixed up because it's been so long. It was December of 98 or December of 99. I, I can't remember. Yeah. And what year Wagner went to Canada? What year did he move there? You know, I think Wagner moved to Canada in, in 99. And, you know, I didn't start to, I didn't realize that he was even here for a few years. So I never met, I never met Wagner until I think, uh, I think 2001. Yeah. So it's been, it's been a while. Yeah. For people who don't know Wagner, he's a uh, man. He's an amazing black belt. Actually, he did the Grand Slam and all of the, he won, right? The world's pans, yeah. Europeans, you know, his masters, but yeah. he had a successful adult competition career, fought in the WC, fought in MMA all over the world. Mm -hmm. Tough dude, man. And his brother, Leo Santos, too, um, that um, world class, one of the best in the world, too. And uh, so you're definitely blessed to be learned from those two guys, man. Man, uh, let me tell you, it's, it, it is, it, you know, they always say jujitsu is a small world and I did not realize how small it was until I got involved in jujitsu, man, because, you know, when you think about like, um, you know, BJ Penn and, and some of the guys that I really started to look at when, you know, I was starting to get involved in jujitsu and, and, and BJ's lineage with Novin Yao, um, goes all the way back to, you know, where I started to train in Brazil, man. And here I am, like, you know, even with yourself, really good friends have coaches and mentors like yourself and, you know, Hobson Mora, Shaolin, all of the guys from, from, from Novinyao. And, I, you know, I was like a, a starstruck young mm -hmm. man. And, uh, you know, now it's, it's, you know, how many years later, 20 years later. And, you know, it, it's crazy. Got a lot of good stories to tell. So how do you feel BJJ relate to life? Man, you know, everybody, you know, BJJ is every, every day that you, you, you train, every time you compete, there's always an obstacle, always an obstacle that, that, that lies in front of you. You know, um, learning a technique, trying to train, sparring with your friends, um, getting tapped, everything like that. And that, I believe, teaches you perseverance you know it's not a you know jiu-jitsu is not the you know the easiest sport you know um the gratification sometimes is it takes a long time for you to get before you start feeling gratified when you leave the gym you know like a lot of times like you know you, you can go to a boxing class kickboxing class and you can hit a bag you know for an hour and you get in your car and you're feeling sweaty you're all tired and you just feel good you like i you know i beat the i beat the crap out of that bag you know and i feel <laughs> so good you know man you come to jujitsu man you're getting squished you're getting sweated on you're you can't breathe a couple of times you feel like you're gonna die because somebody put so much pressure on you and after the hour you get in your car like 
some of my students tell me they sit in their car for 20 minutes after they leave jujitsu because they're still trying to collect themselves after, you know, getting smashed for, for a whole hour. And where's the gratification in that? You know, it's, it's really weird how we, we translate that beating into something that we can, you know, relate to in life. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that jujitsu is such a, it's such a good tool for people that, you know, have issues and, and, you know, have problems trying to um, overcome obstacles and fears in life. And um, I believe that's one of the things that, that it has done for me, you know, so. Yeah, like the book, uh, The Obstacle is the Way by Ryan Holiday. It's a great um, way to, to present that the obstacle is the way. And a lot of the times when I, when I see at my school too, the first six months, some people cannot deal with the obstacle, <laughs> you know, and then because a lot of the times when people break through the six months window, they kind of like, okay. You know, like I'm actually able to get a few things here and there. The first six months are just brutal when you don't know anything, you know, and overcoming that obstacle, especially, of course, it's, you know, to, for people longer than that or whatever. But the first six months when you, I think any skill that you're learning, the beginning is going to be challenging. Now, having on top of that, the skill that you're learning, you're being smashed into it <laughs> very often. It's not very fun. Yeah. But having, having said that, you know, the, the evolution of, of jujitsu and on the business side of things, um, we, we, you know, it's evolved so much, you know, for example, like I have a introduction to Brazilian jujitsu. Now I have 30 some techniques mm -hmm. that, you know, a student must learn before they get into, you know, full sparring, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, even though those 30 techniques they're learning in a short period of time, I, I'm just saying at least they've seen it once. So when they come over to my group and I start getting to do drills and stationary drills, they understand. They understand terminology. They understand, okay, I've seen a triangle before, you know, all that kind of stuff. So a little bit of evolution has come over the years since, you know, you and I have started jujitsu. It was like we were throwing no in classes back then. <laughs> no, we were thrown in the deep end of the pool. And if you didn't swim, you're going to drown, you know, so you had to learn how to, how to, you know, kick your feet fast, you know, so. Yeah. So when did you have the spark to pursue jujitsu as far as professionally, like you're a tournament promoter as well in Canada and having the school when did you have that little spark? Well, like you said, you know, in your introduction, I'm from Regina, Saskatchewan, and I'm right in the middle of Canada. And, you know, um, there, like I said, there was no jujitsu here. And, you know, where I was training at the time, you know, I, I felt that I, I was no longer growing as uh, personally, you know, and not only that, I think I saw a bigger picture back then, even though I was a student and still trying to develop myself as, you know, a, a jujitsu athlete, I, I saw like, you know, I think, I think I saw a bigger picture. I think I saw jujitsu, um, growing in my city, in my province and everything like that. So, um, when I first opened my academy, it was, you know, in 2007, all it was, was for me and a group of my guys, my main training partners to go and train, you know, that's all it was about, you know, we sure I created a, a name, you know, I called it complete martial arts and fitness, but you know, my intention was not to, to have like a, a real business. I, I, this was a hobby. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was for me and my friends, we, we, we bought some nice mats. We had a nice little place to, you know, 
to hang out in, all that kind of stuff. And that's what it started out to be. And then people just started walking through the door. You know, they just started coming. And, you know, I was starting to say, okay, you know, maybe now things are starting to look like a little bit of a business and I had to treat it like one. So, you know, that was like some of the first part of, you know, the evolution of complete martial arts, right? It was just me and my friends just training. And then we had an open door policy and people just started coming. So, you know, um, 12 years later, you know, I believe I have one of the biggest academies in, in our city and, you know, um, 6,400 square feet and, you know, a, a great place to train. So um, I think that it's slowly changed, you know, over the years, like, you know, before it was like, okay, I'm just training as an athlete. I'm not paying attention to the business side of things. And then, you know, I, I, I was, at, I was still like a purple belt when I opened up my Academy and, you know, I was competing a lot. I was still traveling back and forth to Brazil, you know, holding my skills, bringing back technique from Brazil, teaching them to my friends. And then, you know, I just started to realize that, you know, um, when guys would come to the class, you know, at the end of class, I'd be just like, hey, guys, don't forget, you know, you owe me fees to, to help keep the lights on and, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff and pay the rent because that was my own focus. I was like, as long as we have the lights on and as long as we pay the rent, I'm cool. That's it. Like, I, you know, that's all I wanted. And I just, you know, I remind the guys, hey, guys, got to pay me at the, end of, at the end of the month, right? And then the first start of it was, you know, automating that payment system so that I didn't have to worry about it. You know, I didn't have to worry about asking people for fees at the end of the night and, and things like that. So that, you know, um, led to me automating, you know, payment, a payment system, finding the right payment system to say, okay, I don't have to worry about asking people. It's just going to automatically come out of their account. It's going to pay the bills. And then it just started to evolve from there, Gustavo. It just, you know, one thing after another, you know, I would consult with yourself, um, you know, and, and I was seeing what you were doing and consult with all my other successful academy owners all the time, you know? So, uh, here we are today. And like I said, you know, I believe I have the, one of the biggest academies in the city and, and I think we're still growing. And I always like to ask when people have that spark, that interest about some of the fears and doubts that come along when you make some big changes, you mentioned a little bit about your mindset. That was more like a hobby that like, Hey, might as well, we just get here together and so forth. Mm-hmm. But how did you deal? I don't know. We'll guarantee at some point you did have some fears and doubts about even starting or expanding you know business how -hmm. did you deal with that well you know when I first first opened like when I first started teaching jujitsu I was also training judo so um after judo or just before judo class you know we would all go to the judo academy and train jujitsu and you know it just seemed like more guys were showing up for the jujitsu you know and um, I started to feel like I was overstaying, you know, my welcome at the judo academy and not as an athlete for judo, but, you know, just using the mat space because, you know, what would happen is we'd sweat all over the mat and then the judo guys would come in and step in the sweat and they, mm-hmm. and, you know, they, they weren't liking that. So, you know, my, 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 one of my best friends said, Hey, let, let's, let's open up a place. Right. So that led to us opening up a place. And, and I think the biggest fear was, you know, signing that lease, mm-hmm. you know, saying now I'm committed now I'm in this, I'm like, all feet are inside the door, you know, um, because now I have a, a responsibility to pay these bills every month. And you know what, to kind of say, you know what, just to alleviate some of that fear, I was more than willing to pay some money out of my pocket. 
So I was like, okay, if I was not, you know, a student at another academy, I would be paying this amount. And if, you know, I don't travel to this place this month, that'll be X amount of dollars where I can just, okay, I'll pay the rent if we don't make the rent with, with all of the students. So, you know, I alleviated some of that stress a little bit, but definitely there was a fear. Definitely there was a fear. Like I opened the doors and no one shows up. Hmm. I'm like, oh my God, what would I do? You know, I have, you know, the rent to pay and, and everything like that. So then, you know, as years, you know, went on, you know, we started to grow, started to grow. You know, we were running out of mat space. At one time, we used to have a combined class where it was white belts, blue belts, purple belts, you know, all that stuff. And then I finally had to divide the classes. I said, okay, all the blue belts and up, we're going to train at 7 o'clock. All the white belts, we're going to train at 6 o'clock. And that allowed us to, to manage the mat space a little bit better. Um, that went on for a few years. And then, I, and then I led to, you know, expanding another 3,500 square feet in the same building that I was in. Um, the space above me came available and there was another plunge that I took, you know, thousands of dollars in, you know, um, purchasing more mats, renovating, like I had to do a complete gut of this area. You know, um, I had a dollar figure in my head what it was going to cost me and it ended up, it ended up tripling and, and that was as usual as usual. <laughs> um, and you know what, like, like you said about the comfort zone and, and getting a little bit, you know. Um, you know, what were my fears? Like when I was down in the basement, you know, Hey, I was, I was, you know, I was making a little bit of money. You know, there was, I was in a comfort zone, you know, I didn't have to worry about anything. I had enough students to pay everything, all that kind of stuff. But if I open up this other space, it's going to, you know, it's going to cost me a big lease. It's going to cost a lot of money mm -hmm. and it's almost like I have to go backwards. And, and you know what? I, I always thought about this Gustavo, you know, over the years of talking with you, I remember when, you know, you told me you sold your house and, you know, you're like, Hey, listen, if I got to take a few steps backwards to go a few steps forward, that's what I got to do. And I always remembered that when, you know, I was so worried about, you know, man, you know, I'm, 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 you know, tripling my overhead here with this new space. And, you know, I'm right now I'm in a, a good place. You know, I, I'm making some money, all that kind of stuff but there's potential to grow. And I, I think I'm going to have to take a few steps backwards, you know, on the financial side in order to, to make this grow and maybe, you know, financially be in another, another, you know, position, you know, after this next step. So I always remembered that, that, that little tidbit from you. Um, so I went ahead and did it and, and I think we're, we're doing well right now. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that because I, on a podcast, I ask for, what is the best advice I've received? And this tip, actually, my mom uh, gave to me and I saw and I lived, you know, seeing her single mom with uh, two boys and moments that she had to do that. And, and she taught me that, that sometimes we have to. And the scenario that you mentioned, um, me selling my house was when the, we have the whole issue here with the, uh, the economy went down 2008 and then that around 2009 and all that stuff happening and basically um i have to get rid of two houses that i'm like you know what um it's either and i i was teaching at easy combat i wasn't i didn't have my own academy yet things are good but it wasn't my final goal and when the stuff with the house happened 
And uh, I was like, man, one of my houses wasn't renting for a year and I'm eating like two mortgages. I'm like, dude, it's like, it's either I save the house for my pride, you know, and like, no, I have my house and I keep doing what I'm doing or I get rid of this and then I open actually what I want. So I went to seminars about short sale and all that kind of stuff. And I got informed and I got detached from that. I'm like, you know what? This is the kind of stuff that I'm going to have to do to step back, get rid of my house, open my school, and then eventually I bought another house. But that I did have to do that. It was hard. It was, it was hard when you accomplish that and you got like your ego all wrapped up in what you have in your house. I'm like, oh, this is what I have. This is my house. And then I'm like, after start to think more about it, like this, my house one day I'm going to die. Another family is going to live here. This, you know, like I'm not going to take this with me. So, so be it. And, yeah. uh, and, uh, yeah, so there, it's a great point. And you got involved in promoting MMA and now you promote mm-hmm. just a tournament. So talk a little bit about that and mindset on that as well. So right when I was opening up my account, even for myself, you know, when, when I first started getting into jujitsu, you know, my goal was to be an MMA fighter. You know, I, I, I fought four times and, you know, I was traveling to uh, Brazil a lot and, um, you know, Professor Pedaneris at the time, he, you know, he was starting to promote Shuto. And man, I remember like back, like in the early days, even with Talos Latis, when he was starting his MMA career, like I think at the time he was fighting in Jungle Fight. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was one of the bigger guys and I was training a lot with, with, with Talis and, you know, who's become a really good friend of mine. And, um, you know, I, I think that uh, Andre, he, you know, saw, saw some potential in me and he actually asked me to fight. And man, you don't even understand, like, that was that, um, him saying that to me was like, okay. I think I, I, yes, I am be- going to become an MMA fighter, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, this is the validation it. that you wanted to hear. Yeah. The, exactly. The validation I wanted to hear, you know, I was, you know, I was hanging in there, you know, I was getting beat up, but you know, I was, uh, <laughs> I was a good training partner and you know, they saw some, some potential in me. So he asked, he said, AJ, you want to, you want to fight? But the thing was th- I kind of messed up because my visa, my travel visa at the time was coming to an end. I was living, I was living in Brazil for a little while. So it was coming to an end and I couldn't commit to the fight, which, which really sucked. Um, so I had to come back to Canada and, and come back to work. So, you know, I get back to, to Regina, to my academy and, you know, at that time, you know, the UFC was like the, the drawing point to, to jujitsu. That was, Essentially, our marketing for Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the time was to be an MMA fighter, and this was what's going to bring the guys through the door. And to be honest, I feel like we utilized that uh, like for so long and probably too long to promote Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu because, again, you know, MMA has a perception. And even though we were saying, well, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is the art that is the most dominant when it comes to you know, mixed martial arts and, and, and fighting. Um, so, you know, I, I had students that were interested in fighting. So I became a promoter 
I was like, okay, let's create an event and I'll put my students on the, uh, on the event and, and, and let's go. So I, I, I pretty much followed the, the model that Andre was doing. You know, you know I, every once in a while when I got a moment to talk with him, if I saw him in the street having a coffee, I was like, there's, here we go. There's Andre. He's having a coffee. He's by himself. I'm going to go, I'm going to go talk to him. And you and I both know how busy Andre is. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if he's not on his phone, he's, he's doing something, you know? So mm -hmm. I thought I'm going to catch him now. And, you know, I talked with him, you know, and, and that's what he did. That's, that's how he created like a lot of these, these superstars, you know, that are in the UFC and, and all these high-level MMA guys, you know, he created an event. He put the students on there, and I was going to follow the same the same model. So I did that. I'm still doing that today, actually, um, with with Center Ring Promotions and Saturday Night Fights. Um, you know, I'm promoting MMA, and you know, I, I find that you know, as we evolve, sometimes and the sport has evolved, we don't require MMA to market Brazilian jiu-jitsu anymore. Mm -hmm. I, like I said, I think it was done too long. And, you know, I could honestly tell you after every show that I ever promoted in my city, 10 people did not walk in the door on Monday to come and sign up for Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Not, I think in all the years I started promoting MMA in 2010. And in all those years, I believe one guy came in and maybe lasted a month because as soon as he trained with the white belts on the ground that had six months to a year, he was getting twisted and he was like, man, this is, this is whoa, this is too hard. You know, there goes back that smash thing we were talking about where guys sit in the car for 20 minutes because they just got smashed by, you know, a white belt, right? So um, that then led me to start promoting Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. My, uh, my first tournament that I promoted was the Copa Sask. Um, I think we had like 30 competitors. We used wrestling mats. I took um, hockey tape and I ran it a big square down each one to make the rings. Mm -hmm. And we had a jiu-jitsu tournament. And, you know, 10 years later, 11 years later, we're still promoting that one. I promote a all-kids tournament and I can promote another adult and uh, kids tournament, the Queen City Open. Um, so... I kind of, as a promoter, my, my vision, you know, changed because like I said, MMA is not, not doing it for, for jujitsu. We need tournaments for jujitsu to promote jujitsu mm -hmm. so people can see and they have an outlet. You know, I was finding that once I started teaching kids, the kids needed an outlet. Like how can I tell a kid or, or a parent tell a kid that he has to go and practice, but he can never go to a game. And, mm -hmm. and even some, you know, not all kids compete, but they have that option too. You know, they have that option to say, okay, I've been, you know, training jujitsu for a year now. What am I going to do with it? Let me go try and, and compete, right? And, and so that's what I've been doing for the last, you know, 10 years, um, promoting jujitsu in my city. It's starting to grow as the academies, there's more academies popping up. Um, you know, I'm running a more professional um, Brazilian jujitsu tournament where, again, like, I remember the, the tournaments in the beginning, Gustavo was like, okay. So I sent an email to all of the, 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 the coaches around that I knew and said, hey, guys, I'm having a tournament. And I would wait the night before at my academy behind the desk and see who showed up for weigh-ins. And okay, here comes a crew. Five guys showed up. All right, cool. We sign them up. Oh, here's two more guys. Perfect. So once we, we had a bunch of guys, we'd say, okay, we'd wait till like midnight 
for guys to travel to Regina. And me and one of my students, we'd sit up for about four hours and handwrite the, the brackets. So we'd be up until like three in the morning, two in the morning, and then be at the school at seven in the morning to, to set up. And uh, now with a lot of the technologies that we have, man, it's, uh, it's making it a lot easier. Like, uh, like even payment, even payment. I remember the first time I was like, I created my first PayPal account. I was like, okay, guys, just send it on PayPal, you know, you know, whatever, no problem. I was getting checks mailed to me in the mail, like, you know, 30 bucks, got a check in the mail, you know, for the tournament coming up. I'm like, oh, cool, man. You know, the, the, the registration form was handwritten on a piece of paper, a check inside. That's how we, that's how we first started. But that's how, but that, that's how it was even here in U.S. I mean, everything that you described, you, you know, that I, that I lived that, and, uh, <laughs> the, the early growing pains of promoting, it was the same. I would, I would send an invitation to the schools and then I'll drive around and say like, Hey, tell the structure the night before, two nights before the tournament, I'll go there to collect, you know, the registrations and stuff like that. You know, just, just part of the, um, uh, the growth. So now in all, you know, you're still active, of course, in your entrepreneurial journey. A lot to see. We have a lot to learn, and we all do. So, from what you've seen, what what would you like to share with um, with all the entrepreneurs that are listening to us right now that are thinking about joining this? Uh, actually, following their entrepreneurial journey, because I always like to say that I really dedicate this podcast. To, there's a lot of people, especially over 30, they're not happy, you know, what they're doing and they want to do something more meaningful. They have something that they're, they're passionate about it and they want to do. And sometimes there's, you know, a lot of the doubts of what are you going to do? So from what you've learned and still got, we all have a lot to learn, but what do you like to share with them? I think one great concept is just share about this, just even saying that sitting there until two, three in the morning doing the stuff, you know, it's a lot of you just the all the sacrifice that we, we need to make in the early days is just we don't have any other option if you want to really get done you have to go through this but what do you what would like to share with the listeners who are maybe starting their entrepreneurial journey or thinking about starting what did you like to share with them well you know, number one, everybody knows like when you're, when you're going to start a business, there's going to be a hustle. There's going to be a lot of sacrifice. We all know that. And, you know, the, I, I actually experienced every, everything that any business person, entrepreneur has ever gone through. You know, you hear it all the time. You hear it, well, you know, I was up late. I do this, you know, it, it's, it's all the hard work, pound the pavement, you're, you're hustling. And I'm going to have to agree. I've lived it. It, it's, it is a hustle, everything like that. But the one thing that I, that I did do um, during a lot of this was that I consulted with people. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't want to be that guy that's ego was you know, too big to ask. You know what I mean? I'm, I, I still carry myself as a student in jiu-jitsu because there's so much to learn in jiu-jitsu. I carry myself as a student in, in, in business because like, you know, there's still so much to learn in, in, in business. Like I'm in business. I'm going to say that I'm a three stripe purple belt. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I still have a, a lot of growth. 
I still have a lot of learn in business. You know, I, I've been fortunate enough to, to not have too many um, failures with it. It was just, it was, it's just been a long journey before I started to see a lot of the benefits of owning mm -hmm. a business. You know, um, I started small, um, but you know, I always had a, a, a big vision. Um, you know, think big, act small, right? Um, so I consulted a lot of people. Gustavo, you know that I, I, I consulted with you a lot. I, I consulted with so many. And not only people in the jiu-jitsu world, I have so many people inside my academy that are business owners. And I'd be like, hey, man, let's go for coffee. Okay, we'd go for coffee and I would ask all kinds of questions, you know, um, like the insurance thing. I have, a, I have a guy that owns an insurance company. He, he's so willing to share information, all that stuff. I learned so, I feel like I could be an insurance guy. Like I've learned so much. You know, I'm a jujitsu guy, but I'm like, I know so much about insurance right now. It, it's, it's crazy, you know, and that led me to create the, the federation that you were talking about earlier. This is Saskatchewan Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Federation. I actually um, provide insurance to all of the other academies in my area and, um, you know, provide insurance to the athletes where, you know, they pay a membership fee and they're insured to train, you know, and there's nothing like a professional that loves jujitsu, like a lawyer, a doctor, a guy that, you know, has to go to work and he gets injured at, at, at you know, training jujitsu. He's covered with, with insurance, with liability insurance, you know, I, I know it's a big thing in the States where, you know, people love to sue each other and <laughs> kind of things like that. And I, I shouldn't say the States, I shouldn't say that, but you know, it's more common. Like you don't hear, do. <laughs> yeah, but they do. And, and you know what, it's one of those things where, you know, back in the day, Gustavo, let's say you and I are training and you pop my arm, you know, you bust my arm and Hey, it's, it's the honor code, man. We're, we're, we're samurized. That's one part of the thing that was my journey to my black belt. Gustavo Dantas broke my arm, right? And that's it. I would just go home, get a cast. I'd wait six weeks so I could train again. But no, sometimes you get the guys that are like, you know what, Gustavo? Actually, I'm going to sue you. <laughs> and uh, I can't work for how many days. The only way I'm going to get any money, I got to sue you. I'm sorry, bro. I got to sue you. So we're in a position now where um, – you know, we're insured, um, you know, ev the, the evolution of all of this stuff, this sport and everything we can train in a safe environment, all that kind of stuff. Um, but just back to what you're asking, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, you know, like I said, you know, think big, act small, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. Um, consult with other people that are, that are business owners, learn a lot, listen, that's, you know, like you'd be surprised how, how many different people I've spoken to with, that are involved in business. And I've just listened, man, you know, and I, and I think that that's helped me so much um, and being successful on the business side of things. And at the same time, it's just really saying this is, of course, a great advice. And then just get not necessarily you have to agree with everything that people are telling you or you just pick, you know, whatever you feel that are like, you know, ooh, I like this here, you know, when you pick, you know, it's, it's this endless puzzle, you know, that you just got to go, we got a few pieces here and got another few pieces from someone else. Next thing you're, you know, building your own thing, but it's not necessarily you have to take on every advice out there, but you're just going to see hey, if it fits, you know, my my beliefs and my my values and yeah you know uh let's do it now 
what do you say it's one of the biggest struggles that you've been through in your entrepreneurial journey? You said that you're, you know, less than often. And of course, we all go through difficulties. And But uh, what do you feel that is a, you know, some type of struggle that you went through? And, and what did you learn from this experience? You know what? I, I, I thought about that. I'm like, what did I really struggle with? What was, what was really my struggle? And I, I can say this. There has never been a time that I've ever considered quitting jujitsu. Never. I've had injuries. I've had, you know, all kinds of things happen. But there has never been a time where um, I said, I'm quitting. And, you know, as an owner of a, an academy, you have a responsibility. You know, your responsibility is to be there every day to make sure everything is running smoothly, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I've been doing this like, you know, for a decade now. And, and, you know, there was a time for a minute, like, I mean, just like, um, it's just like this small, like, I mean, 30 seconds that it was just like, man, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. You know, mm -hmm. it just, I honestly, it was just like a quick second. And, And that was probably my biggest struggle when, I, when that came across my mind because I never thought it would. I mm. never thought it would. And I had to say to myself, hey, man, like, come on. You're not a quitter. You know, you, every time you failed, you, you've always got up. You know, you've, you've faced all your fears that you've ever faced. You know, w why are you even considering this now why did it even cross your mind but what was going through for for this to even come across across your mind though well you know it was the expansion it was the expansion um and you gotta go and like a lot of like maybe the listeners don't know is that i still work full time mm -hmm. i still have a government job that i've had for the last 20 years and um I go to my gym every day after work. I promote the jiu-jitsu. I promote the MMA. I, I also help with the federation. I have a nonprofit organization. Um, and, you know, I just have so much on my plate. But that's me. I like, you know, I have that ADHD mindset where I have to have 10 things on the go in order to function. If I sit down for one minute, I'm standing up thinking, okay, I got to do something. Right. And, you know, I think it was just I was having one of those days where it was just like, you know, sometimes you're just like, okay, that's it. Screw it. I'm done. And overwhelmed. What? Just overwhelmed, you know. And, as you know, so when that happened, I said, okay, I had to tell myself I can't, I can't, you know, I can't do it all. And that's what I like uh, as an entrepreneur, you got to remember that you can't do it all. You're going to be able to do some things to help you um, offset costs. It's going to, you know, there's going to be things that you do because you just like to do it your way, but you can't do it all. And, you know, I've built a team of instructors. I've, I've hired employees. I have a gym assistant now. I have a gym manager now. And, you know, I'm doing what I love to do. I love to teach jujitsu. I love to train jujitsu. So one of the, the things that, you know, you know, everybody says, well, if you're an entrepreneur, you're supposed to go, you know, you're supposed to dive all in. You're supposed mm -hmm. to be all in. How are you still working full time and, you know, 
expect to be successful as an entrepreneur. And I'm just like, there's, there's a thing that I, that I said to myself is that, well, I am not going to turn my passion, which is jujitsu, which I turned into a business, which created me into an entrepreneur. Um, I'm not going to turn it into a hustle. If I start turning it into a hustle and looking at the, the, the financial outcome all the time, that it's all going to go away. It's going to jeopardize every decision that I make. So working full time, sure, I've got a good job. Sure, I've got a pension, all that stuff. There's some security there. But it's a funny thing. I've told myself, this is my discipline. This is what I'm using to discipline myself with being successful with what I'm doing with my businesses. I'm using this as like that thing where I say, okay, don't turn it into a hustle. You know, don't jeopardize what you you see other people doing. Like I see other, you know, um, you know, especially it's kind of common in the jujitsu world. You know, like you may agree or not agree with me, but you know, when you start an academy and you're like, hey, that guy, I know that guy, he's a blue belt. You know, he trains over there, and you know, you say, hey, man, what's up? You know, one day maybe you should come train with me to try to get another member. That's another you know, 80 bucks or a hundred bucks, whatever you're charging for your thing. And I, you know, I've taken a lot of your advice. I've taken advice from a lot of people. I only want people to train with me that want to train with me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would prefer to take someone straight off the street has never been involved, doesn't even know what jujitsu is and bring them into my academy and introduce them to jujitsu over someone that's already been involved and is looking to just come and check things out. Now, I would prefer that over, you know, making myself get out there and try to hustle students. You know what I mean? So um, I told myself, okay, you know, I'm going against what all entrepreneurs are supposed to do, be all in, right? Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Eventually, you know, I will retire from my full day, you know, my, my day job and, and get into, you know, jujitsu, you know, full time. But by that time I will have created, you know, um, uh, a community. I've created my, my staff. I've created the, the people that I need to operate, you know, my business so that I can come in and, and do what I'm passionate about. So, um, that's, you know, that's, I guess that's one of my advices that, you know, um, to anybody that's starting out, just you take it slow, you know, you know, think big, but take it slow. You know? Yeah. And we, we have talked about this before about asking you, like, when do you fuse the time and each one got their own time, you know, about when you're going to make this transition. And one of the things that some of the listeners maybe have heard me mention about Gary Vaynerchuk, his name is getting very popular, being following him. We're in 2018. You probably following his work for about four years now. <clears throat> and someone asked him, when is the right time to pull the trigger? And I, and I have mentioned this in previous podcasts before. When is the right time to pull the trigger to maybe let go of a, a full-time job? And then he mentioned, when you get to the point that you just can't breathe anymore, you just feel suffocated, you know, and then you do it like you're not at that point, you know, you, uh, we talked about this before that you actually enjoy what you do too in your, in, in, in your, on the other side and I'm not the entrepreneur, but you know, full-time job, you mentioned to like, 
I actually like my job too. And, but if it, at one point you're going to hear the moment like, you know what? I think I want to do it anymore. I think I'm done. And then if you start getting suffocated and this is for anyone that is thinking about it, you know, opening your business. Cause when you get to the point that you're like, dude, I can't breathe. You wake up like, Oh my God, I can't believe I got to go to work. Something's got to change. Otherwise you're going to have some health issues or something. You know what I mean? So you're each one have their own threshold per se. And, uh, uh what are you going to do? And personally me, I did other things prior to, I've, I've been well in 2018 since 2006, basically, I only work with Jiu-Jitsu. I arrived in the U.S. in 1999. So basically by 2005 was my last year. And I did a little house cleaning business uh, back then to get some extra money. Back then, you know, I wasn't making that much money with Jiu-Jitsu. And I was doing, you know, I'm starting to do okay. I was promoting tournaments, but the, the scene is still very small. But and then I got to a point that, okay, now I'm at a point that I, I can start really just choosing what direction I want to go. I don't want to work with anything that I don't feel like it. And you still are in that point that you're like, I'm fine. I'm fine working with this. And then there's nothing, absolutely nothing wrong with this. I've listened to interviews and podcasts. Too. It's not common, but you see like some other entrepreneurs that actually got some really good things going and they still have their job is just each one have their own threshold just make sure that and for all the listeners you know think about that if you're getting suffocating man and you can't breathe you're gonna have to do something about it otherwise uh, it can become extremely stressful stressful in your family and not good for your health yes now yeah. let me ask you this what is would you say it's a one high performance habit that you that you let's say you practice daily that helps in jujitsu professionally what did you say you know um you know what i, I i've you know i've listened to like uh, i listen to your podcast all the time gustavo and you know and i i love the theme you know that you're using with with the jujitsu practice you know practitioners and 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 in focusing on the entrepreneurial stuff because like i said like we we, we we're trial and error type of guys like we have to figure it out on our own and you know you 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 know you helping me over the years was uh, was a was a blessing and and everything like that but the lot of a lot of the guys like I listened to Shaolin's um podcast I listened to Vito Doria's podcast I listened to Flavio Almeida's um podcast and they touched down a lot on consistency mm-hmm. and you know consistency is a habit that you must have like it's just getting and doing it all the time you know high performers you know have like any high performing athlete has a um a ritual they have a habit of what they do which is which creates them it turns them into a high performer um and i think the that mine is it's consistency you know it, i i had a couple of comments the other day about you know um you're always at the gym. You're always there. 
And I'm like, yeah, man, I'm always here. You know, this is what I love to do. I love being here. You know, I've, I've, you know, I, I, I have instructors that teach on certain days. Like I have a, one of my black belts teaches on Fridays. Um, I have a brown belt that teaches no gi on Thursdays. And those are days that I don't have to be at the academy. I don't have to be there. So I, I go to the gym and I, you know, I work out for myself. I kind of have a, a wind down day, but I end up going to the gym and just watching. <laughs> I just go and watch my black belt teach. I'm just like, I don't know, man, I don't know what it is. But consistency is one of the, the biggest things that I've, I think that I have as a habit that, that's, you know, helped me become a high performer. Um, you know, one of the other things that I'm starting to practice is, you know, getting up earlier. Like I have a 6 a.m. class that a brown belt of mine was, you know, teaching two times a week and I took over one of his days. So now I'm up at, you know, quarter after five in the morning every Tuesday and uh, I teach my 6 a.m. class. And, you know, that's one of my things that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm trying to do, get up earlier, go to bed, you know, earlier, um, just so I could rest my body, you know, um, get up early. I, I, you know, I hang out with the dogs a little bit and then I make a coffee and I head on to jujitsu at six in the morning, you know. So I think that, you know, I'm going to have to touch down with a lot of the other um guests that you've had on the podcast and consistency it's consistency you know i was uh, there's a website i never mentioned here actually it's for the listeners want to check it out it's actualized.org his name is leo gura awesome guy amazing guy for personal development this guy drops so i think he got like eight hundred thousand followers on youtube he drops so much knowledge for free i have learned a lot from this dude uh, great content. The guy studies a lot, and uh, he was, he mentioned something I was listening to him uh, uh, like this week actually. And there's one thing that he was saying that uh, it's cool. And then saying, uh, of course, people say this all the time, but is uh, it was cool listening to him and saying, you know, the key to success. You know, people have their own thing, and insane like to discipline your mind. Not just discipline, but discipline your mind with whatever you're trying to do. You know, uh, discipline your mind. That means like working on yourself, improving yourself, getting more knowledge, and that comes in the consistency. You know, you having that discipline and that and that consistency. It's it's huge. Is the the key to success? The consistency, the discipline. But I thought it was cool him saying like to discipline your mind because it's mm-hmm. that's what you have to do. You know, to for some people that. You know, you you teach one class, six, you know, 6 a.m. Some people teach those every day, whatever uh, schedules people have. But it's something new to you. So you have to discipline your mind to, like, get your body situated, you know. So I, I really like that concept. And uh, even though as basic as a sound, you know, um, sounds like common sense. But oftentimes, common sense is not common practice. So to discipline your mind is to constantly be just you know, working on yourself, improving, working on your mind. And that's something that I do a lot. You know, some of the listeners know I, I do a lot of different things. Uh, I retired from teaching after and I've been doing jujitsu for 30 years and I have a, a different priority list. And actually one of the things that when we're talking, I, I, it came to my mind the same, how you like, love to do a lot of things at the same time, you know, and I'm the same way. It's like shine object here, like, Ooh, squirrel, you know, and I, I, <laughs> I said, that's how I end up doing five, six things at the same time. Yeah. And I did something this uh, more like last year 
And this year, I started to narrow down a little more. But I started making a list of like, what do I want? What is consistently in my mind? So I went through a list of like, I want to do more of this and this here because I can have equally efforts to everything. It's challenging because something's got to give. So I started to give almost like a, not almost, but a priority list on my desires. But I'm in a, you know, people are in different moments in their careers as well. I'm in a point that I can do that. I, not always I had the freedom to do that, you know, uh, but that's basically my main value in my life. It's my freedom of choice. And I think about this every day, like, what do I really wanted to do? And, I, and so since 2006, as I mentioned, I've been able to do that, to just kind of like have my full freedom of choice, what I, what I want to do, and especially what I don't want to do. So this is a great, I think, think for people, for the listeners to think about, you know, sometimes like, Gustavo, I, wanna, I feel like I want to be an entrepreneur. I feel like I want to do something different, but I don't know what you want. Well, you know, start with what you don't want. What you don't want, you know that, dude, I don't want to do that. I'm not saying quit, but start having a plan to little by little start to transfer. So this, whatever you're doing that you don't want to do, that then kind of eventually kind of, you know, fade away and you just do things that you love, whether having a full-time job, being an entrepreneur, whatever that is. But um, I just want to mention this to you. That's something that I did of like, man, what, what is consistently in my head? Because if I have a list of five things and what is consistent in my head is number five, I got to flip that. I got to find a way to push the number five, you know, like, man, yeah. how can I change it? And that's uh, the truth is it takes a lot of courage, man. It takes a lot of courage to do that. Yeah. One of the, one of the habits that I'm, I'm, I'm just starting to implement Gustavo, you know, after all of these years of doing things, like I said, you mentioned it, 10 things on our minds, let's start them all. Um, the one thing I'm starting to do now, even though I have five, 10 things in my head and I know I want to do them all, I'm starting to pick one and, and for seeing it to its life cycle. You know, it, it's funny. I would get something started 80%. And then the last 20, I die off. And, you know, now I'm starting to get really focused on finishing that last 20% and, 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 and completing that task. And uh, it's just, I know that it's, it's been hard my, for us and for oh, any ADD person out there. <laughs> yeah, man, Gustavo, I've just, as you know, these last few years, I've come to terms that's 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 the way I am. I'm ADHD. I I'm crazy. Like I I've been trying to follow the the script here, and I realized that I got so so off topic sometimes. There, I didn't even answer your question, you know, because I just start you know rapping, and then that's it. It's like I, I I even forget what what was the question. I forgot, you know, and it's about fulfilling that last twenty percent and uh, staying focused a little bit more. Sure, it's a great trait to have that you can multitask, do so many things, have so many visions. But let's start fulfilling some of them to the to the their 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 life cycle, you know, completing and it. One of the things uh, with that, because the same thing you just mentioned, I kind of got in, you know, at peace with me understanding too that this is how I am. My my head is all over the place. Um, but uh, one thing that I started to little, I feel that every year I'm getting a little better and delegating. And I feel that a lot of the entrepreneurs struggle with that because we have those things that now if you need 
done well, got to, we need to do by ourselves, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I think someone who opened my eyes for delegation, I think it started in 2000, I have to say maybe around 2010 when I started to kind of dive in into personal development is a guy that I really like his work, Tim Ferriss. He's awesome. And I listened to the four hour work week in that book has helped me a lot. It opened my eyes in a lot of different ways. You know, it, sometimes I feel that it's not for everyone. That book, some people are going to think, oh, this is a bunch of BS. I understand it's not for everyone, but it, it did help me a lot. And that was the first time that I actually put thought into the word delegation. You know, like you hear like, you know, delegation? yeah, of course I am. But like, do you practice that? You know, again, common sense, not always common practice. And the that it was as subtle as it was, it was just put a little seed in my mind of like, huh, yeah, this delegation thing. Yeah, that's kind of interesting, you know, because we go through phases and I feel that a lot of the listeners, I don't know if they can relate with this because sometimes we feel guilty that, you know, like, man, I should be doing this myself. No, someone, you know, and over the years, I've been getting a lot better with a lot. I've been disciplining my mind, you know, working on myself, getting different you know, as you mentioned, seeing what successful people are doing. Of course, people have different perceptions about the meaning of the word success, but I see what some people are doing. And yeah, if I want to play around with a lot of different ideas, the way that that's exactly like you said, that's how I am. I cannot stay just with one thing. It's just not me. I will not be at peace. Exactly. So, well, so we're going to have to start to be better creating systems. You're going to have to be better at delegating and now um, I still got, man, so much to work. But um, at a GD Academy, uh, uh, for, for the listeners, maybe you're listening for the first time and don't know much about my background, I do have an academy in Arizona. And we have 400 students who have close to 40 classes per week. And I don't teach one. Now, this process has been brutal because for the first, my first decade in the United States, I've been here for 20 years. It was the control freak mode. Like, no, I do everything. Me and when I started teaching, uh, like promoting tournaments, it was brutal because I used to do so many, I wear so many hats at the tournaments. So like, man, this is ridiculous, you know? So learning that is something for the listeners not to underestimate, man, you know? Of and say, yeah, come and common sense, but just practice that attempt a little bit and started this process of me not teaching has been a 10 year process in 2008. Actually, Rosenberg was the first one to start teaching twice a week. So, for me to let go two classes per week, it was <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah, no, I can't relax. And then I didn't relax, I just found another place. I made a partnership with a guy and I started teaching in a, in a different place, but you know. <laughs> But I wanted, like, I, I need to do other things. I need to expand. And now to get to a point, uh, mm -hmm. I had to really, and sometimes it's a battle. There's times that I steal. So for people listening, don't, if you feel guilty, it sometimes happens. But, you know, just understand that it's, a, it's part of it. If you want to play around with other things, you're going to have to let go the control freak mode. Gustavo, I think there's so many listeners out there right now that are cut from the same cloth both you and I are in, man. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've had a, I, like I said, I hired a gym manager and an assistant and uh, my assistant keeps asking me, what would you like me to do? You know, I said, okay, can you print this uh, sign off for the t-shirts for the tournament? And uh, I ended up printing it off. I'm like, why did I print that off? Why did I create that sign? I asked her to do it 
Mm-hmm. And uh, she did do it, but I ended up doing it myself. It was, I'm just like the delegation, it, you know, especially if you've been doing it yourself for so many years, it's like, I'm just now delegating things at the tournament. I have a guy that sets up the mats. I got a technical guy that runs all the brackets, all the tables, all the clocks, all the laptops. I got a, I got a guy that runs all of that so that I can get back to, to my passion, which is the coaching and, and, um, you know, doing jujitsu. So it's, it's one of those things. Yeah. Gustavo, I, and Again, like I, I'm following your lead here, man. I see what you're doing. And I see the delegation that you're doing. And I'm like, I got to get on that. I can't do it all myself, man. Dude, I tell, I tell my wife sometimes she doesn't believe it. Like I told her, I've done every position possible in the tournaments. You know what I mean? Every position that is out there, I did. And, I, and it just plays a movie I've been promoting for 20 years and plays a movie in my head when I, when I, I would call the matches and then I was the ref. And then I'll count the points and I'll give the medals and it, like everything, <laughs> everything was like running around. So it got to a point that when it started growing, it was ridiculous. Me trying to run around like insane and I'm trying to do all that because I didn't want to ask people to do it. And sometimes even I was paying people to do it and I'm still feeling bad. Like this is what you're supposed, you're the one supposed to be doing that. So for me it has been a process of letting go which is not easy. It takes a lot of personal development, a lot of self-awareness for us to realize that you're not doing. So if you are, um, and, and here's the thing too, some entrepreneurs might be saying like, Gustavo, yeah, I'd love to do that, dude. But um, I don't have the money to do that. I would love to hire other people. And I totally get it. I totally get it. But I'm saying, but don't think that you're going to be in this position forever. But you do need to say like, as soon as I have a chance, I'm going to have to hire someone to do this here as soon as I have a chance. And, and here's the thing too, AJ, and for all the listeners, man, a lot of the times that I went through, and I know that there's so many people listening saying like, I would love to do that, but I'm not in a position. Big decisions that I made in my entrepreneurial journey. I was not ready financially to hire someone to put someone to do the job. I'm like, Oh crap. I really need someone, but I'm not in a position to hire. And I had to like, just, you know what, let me do it. And I'll do like, okay, we're going to do for three months. And if it doesn't work, if we don't grow, I'm going to have to cancel. Are you okay with that? Do you want to do that? And if they accept, let's do it. And I I made good choices and bad choices along the way. There's some that worked. There's some that backfired. There's some that I lost money. And for all the entrepreneurs out there, you know, you can think maybe some of the Things can come up in your head and feel like, yep, exactly. But uh, that's something that doesn't really affect me and that shouldn't affect you as far as like, oh, that didn't work. That's when you got to look as like a, like a tournament. You're not going to win every time, man. You're going to have some bad mm-hmm. days. You're going to have some times you're going to, oh, I tried that move that didn't work. Uh, let's go. Move forward. Learn from it. You know, yep. so uh, just leaving this out there to the entrepreneurs who are in that position that they want to get extra help, but they can, it's either you do a, like a short term plan like that. Like maybe let's try for 90 days, I like commit pain to this guy. So if it doesn't work, well, I'm stuck with this credit card or whatever for like, you know, extra 90 days, I'll make it whatever. But if you're not happy where you're at and you want to keep doing the same thing, that's, you know, insanity. So yep. what did you say? What's the best advice you ever received? In everything, you know, uh, could it be life? Yeah. So for jujitsu, like the best advice was, you know, I got from my professor, Wagney, 
Fabiano, was, you know, when I was coming up, you know, all the guys from Novenial were small. You know, they were smaller guys. We were really, the team was really known for the lightweights. And I used to try to be a small guy, train like a small guy, play jujitsu like a small guy. And, you know, athletically I could, like I could, you know, mimic a lot of the stuff. But when it came to tournaments, you know, it was not working because I was getting smashed because, man, I'm a super heavyweight, man. You know, sure, I can move, you know, like when I want to, but it was not working. So Wagney one day said, AJ, quit, quit fighting like a small guy. Fight like a big guy, you know. And I'm like, man, okay. So once I started trying to fight like a big guy, man, my success rate just started to climb, you know. Um, and you know, it just led to so many, you know, winning tournaments, everything like that. I quit trying to play like a small guy, you know, pull guard real quick, try to do some fancy stuff. The guy would just jump to my side, pin me down. So once I started to, to play like a big guy, you know, my, I started to be really successful in jujitsu. Um, business wise was like, um, you know, I think the best thing in it, and it was kind of more relating to jujitsu too. Like I said, you know, I would rather have someone walk in my door that's never done jujitsu, um, you know, have them as a student versus having someone that's, you know, been at two or three different academies. And that is, you know, it was basically don't chase something that someone else has, you know, don't chase something that someone has already, you know, worked hard for or already created, like, because it, you know, it, it's just never going to work. It's never going to work because, you know, you look at someone that, you know, okay, he's trained at two or three different academies. Why, why is he, you know, there and you're chasing that person. You're using so much energy on that person when you could be doing something else paying to more attention to your students that need the attention that came in and you're still trying to, you know, um, make them fall in love with jujitsu. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that was a, a really good piece of advice that I got on the business side. And it's kind of funny, just, you know, it's funny that this past year I fought at the, at the, at the master worlds and, uh, and it's funny, man, I sent you and I sent Bruno, the, the, the link to my fight. Mm -hmm. And it, this is funny. This is really funny for the listeners because it has a little bit of a, a lesson here. Um, so so Bruno, Bruno got back to me and he watched the fight. And leading up to the tournament, I had students that were, were getting ready also. And I was really trying to instill the rules, the, the strategies, you know, things like that. I'm like, you know, some of my guys that, you know, have not competed in a high-level tournament, I, I'm making them aware of the, the advantage points because some of them hasn't even um, competed in a tournament where they are awarding advantages. I'm like, you know, I'm making them aware of like, you know, do not let nobody hug your head, you know, all this stuff, right? And so I go and compete, you know, I won the Worlds the year before and, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, I had a lot of pressure on myself to come back and, you know, I, and I, I saw said, the match, so by the way, I saw the match. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you? Okay. And uh, so Bruno got back to me and man, you know what? That guy gave me such great feedback and, you know, I'm going to use his lines, man. Um, and I probably won't ever forget it. You know, he, he told me, he's like, he's like, AJ, you, you, you fought well, but you didn't compete well. 
Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, um, since you wa- saw the fight, uh, you know, I was not paying attention to what was happening with the points. You know, I did not realize the ref had awarded this guy, you know, um, the two points for the, the penalties that I was receiving. So, you know, Bruno's comment to me was, you know what? I thought, I, you know, you're right. I did fight well, but I competed. I didn't compete well. And it was really funny. Like the message, it's funny. I told my entire, my, my entire class, you know, what I had done. I said, hey, listen, I sent the links to both Bruno and Gustavo. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you. This is the reason why I sent it. I wanted some type of reassurance that it was the ref's fault. It mm-hmm. wasn't my fault why I lost. Mm-hmm. And I really and had wasn't. to. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, but the, I, you know, even at this high level, me being a, a coach and all this stuff, I was still looking for someone to blame, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I, had to, I had to tell my students that I was the one to blame. Mm-hmm. And I said, I sent, I sent the link to Gustavo. I sent the link to Bruno. I said, Gustavo didn't even reply back to me <laughs> because he, 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 like, because I was waiting for, I was waiting for Gustavo. I was waiting for your, for your, your comment back. And when you didn't comment back, I was like, that was the lesson right there. Gustavo's not going to comment nothing to me. The only thing that you said to me was when I saw you that day. And I told my students this in a, in a group um, talk was, AJ, what did you take away from that match? And, you know, my, a couple of my students were standing there. When you walked up, you said, hey, I saw your post. And the only thing you said was, what did you take away? You didn't ask. You didn't say, what did the ref do? I didn't, you know, I was ready to tell you, hey, the, ref, the ref screwed me over. The, 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 it was the ref, you know. He was being too hard on me, you know. He was giving me penalties like crazy, you know. Man, what a lesson that I learned from that, you know. I was looking for someone to tell me, you're right, AJ, was the ref's fault. Even though I wrote a post on my Instagram saying, I had the guy in a choke. I should have finished the choke. But at the end of the day, I still was looking for someone to blame. And this goes back to like, you know, the, the lessons and, and all of the, you know, the, the talks that you and I had, you know, involved to, you know, the mental aspect of things was that, hey, no, it was my fault. I had every control of this match. I had more opportunities to finish the match. I had more opportunities to get points in the match. And, you know, I never got the points. I never got the win, all that stuff. So I think that was, you know, even though you didn't respond to me, I feel that was some of the best advice. Because and I, um, what uh, Bruno said, and I will have talked about this before because I have some of the competitors, so I know about his analogy because uh, he's been using this with me for years. And I remember mentioning to high-level competitors that we have here in Arizona, and, and he'll say, like, that guy, you know, he's a fighter, but that guy wins because he's a competitor. Because you go there for the kill, and there's a price. You know, sometimes you pay for that. You're all over that dude. You know what I mean? There's, there's no question that, well, it's tough to say no question, but on that match, you showed to be superior, but not always the, who's the most superior technically. You know, what happened there, you made bad choices. That's all happened. It's not something about like, oh, we need to fix it. We need to work on this. No, no, no. You made bad choices. You saw the kill, like, I'm going to go for the kill. When you should have like, chill, 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 chill. No, you didn't. So you went for the kill. Sometimes it paid off. 
You know what I mean? And it worked. It'd be awesome. And AJ won. Woo! But it, it didn't work. Definitely, there is like some some questionable calls. I'm not gonna say, but I never focused on that. They were. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna feed into that to anybody because one of my students they come in. Well, they're like that 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 that. Don't want to hear. <laughs> Don't want to hear because uh, you gave. Because it comes down to and for the listeners that you know, I have blamed the ref so many times. I have blamed ref for for my student. But when it comes down to it, uh, what can you do to minimize the chance of giving the chance the ref to mess up? Something happened. Something happened. And it wasn't completely nonsense. There's sometimes in jujitsu got some weird calls like, oh man, is it? I'm, I'm not sure. But all we can do is work on making better choice so we minimize the chance of giving the chance the ref to make the mistake you know so it it was a lesson and that's something that maybe at some point you you needed to go through with it yeah. you know what i mean at some point it, it's uh it's gonna happen maybe you know could have happened the year before but it didn't everything worked out you know and sometimes you take risks you know and you take risks and it paid off you took a risk you paid off you know and now we can beat yourself oh, i should have but and you shouldn't, for example, I'm going to give a uh, uh, jiu-jitsu example here right now. Finals of the Worlds 2018, uh, the middleweight, Izaki uh, Bayensi against uh, Tommy from Norway. So right at the beginning of the match, 10 seconds or 15 or something, um, Tommy tried to jump to a flying triangle from the top. Okay, so anytime you're trying to pass guard, you jump into a flying submission, you miss it, a guy comes to the top, that's two points. Okay, so he went for it, he jumped, he missed, and then the other guy came to the top, and Izaki is a, is a dude that is extremely hard to score on him, to start with it. It's very hard. I feel like, um, and he, you know, uh, Bruno knows him very well too. And I think Izaki is one of the best competitors in jiu-jitsu out there today. You know, and Fabio Andrade from Avignon made an amazing job getting the foundation since I was a kid. That kid knows how to win. Okay. So what he did for almost like 10, 10 minutes on Thai jiu-jitsu, he just kind of like kept away. He did what he had to do to win. Okay. So he won. He's a world champion, period. So I was sitting with some of the teammates from, uh, from Tommy and then right after people like, man, why did he jump to the triangle? I was like, I was like, dude, it's funny how it works, right? So if he if he lands the triangle, oh what a myth. Oh my God, that guy is like, he's incredible. That's what the different people do. You know what I mean? They risk, they go for the kill. Sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. You know, it's like uh Anderson Silva. Forever he was doing the dropping the hands, doing all that, you know, the stuff that he does for years and blasting people with that. Well, it didn't work with Chris Weidman. And then people were like, why did he do that? Oh, that was so stupid. He did for years and didn't work that time. You know what I mean? That's what the different people do. They want to go for the kill, they go, but just understand there is a price with that. And other competitors like, like that, like Kron Grace is an amazing competitor. He goes for the kill. And he even say, like, I don't focus on points to go for the kill. And sometimes can cost him the match, you know, because he wants to go for the kill and that's his style. And that's okay. That's his style, you know. But um, in, comp- in jiu-jitsu competitions, sometimes you got to play ugly. Sometimes you got to play the smart. And nowadays in jiu-jitsu, man, you, you, it's crazy. A 10-minute match, 
And sometimes, you know, someone wins by one advantage and one negative. You know, there's a, you know, the level is very high and a lot of the windows of opportunities are closed. So you need to capitalize in whatever you can. So it's just, uh, it's just whatever style you want to go. There's times that, uh, that is one of the main blocks that I have noticed, by the way, with people. And that's one of my main blocks that I have for years, that fear of making the mistake. Should I stay? Should I go? Next thing you're regretting, you know, like, man, I should have done this, should have done that. And here's the thing you made. That's a lesson for you. But you know what? You went with what is, you felt that was right for you at the moment. The neck is there. I'm going to go for it. I almost got it. He kind of got out and created a weird scramble. And yeah, I mean, you dominated most of the match, but at the end, you know, the point. So uh, all, all part of the learning, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, yeah. back to the uh, entrepreneurial side of things. Uh, that's good that we're talking a lot of jujitsu too. But um, what advice would you give to your younger AJ when you started the school and we started getting the business and you had after all these years and you say, AJ, here's the thing. And I came from the future, came from 2018. Mm-hmm. This is my advice to you. What would you tell him? Man, you know, I would just say, like, don't pay attention to what other people say. Don't pay attention to what other people think of you, you know, because, you know, I got caught up in that a little bit when mm-hmm. I first started. I, I, I almost, I all, there was, for a slight second, I started to doubt myself, right? And, you know, when I was hearing those things, it actually just, it, it really fueled me. It, it did fuel me. It fueled me sometimes in the right directions and it fueled me sometimes in the wrong directions. But that was a part of my growth. Um, it was a part of the growth of the sport. You know, I used to be very old school, man. I used to be like, well, you come to my gym, you're going to like, we're going to train hard. I'm going to make a champ out of you. You're going to have the, you know, a very, you know, strong, you know, aggressive style, whatever. And, you know, um, that's all changed. So, uh, I'm, you know, I'd have to say to myself, you got you, you can never pay attention to this stuff. You know that it's a negative stuff. You know, it comes from, you know, um, jealousy. It comes from, you know, people that want to be in your position. It comes from who knows where it comes from. Anything that negative that someone says, you don't know what's driving that person, but, don't pay attention to it because like I said, it, you know, some of those things made me make bad decisions and sometimes it made me make good decisions. So I just tell myself, don't pay attention to that stuff. Stay focused and, and, and do what you feel is, you know, was meant for you to do. Yeah. That brings me uh, back to one of the quotes that I have mentioned from Les Brown for people who don't know maybe much Les Brown is, I learned so much from him. One of the, most well-known motivational speakers, a lot of uh, uh, knowledge. And, and he got this quote that is very powerful to say, someone's opinion of you don't have to become your reality. That's just an opinion. You know, someone's given an opinion that based on their perception, what they see in life or what they uh, believe or based on their self-esteem or based on whatever that is, is just their opinion. And it doesn't have to become your reality. It becomes your, your reality if you accept, you know, that's it. And learning personal development, that really helped me to, because um, I used to be 
man. Uh, and this for the listeners, because uh, <laughs> when I look back, you know, there's two different ways that you can deal with someone giving maybe an opinion or, or something. You can, and especially when you don't like, you can react or you can respond to this, right? They sound similar, but they're not. When you react, you, a lot of the times you're being emotional and irrational. And when you respond, you're more uh, rational, use more your intellect. You know, so if someone's saying, when I was young, man, someone tell me that I couldn't do this, couldn't do that, I ought to get very hostile. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't know who I am. You know, like, I'll, you know, I'll go insane, right? And over time, it's just, it's just come to a point that, you know, uh, we, let's agree and disagree. You have your opinion that is this needs to be this way and I'm not good enough or whatever. And I have my opinion that is completely, you know, opposite to you. So uh, let's uh, agree and disagree. So that's, uh, that's a huge step in emotional maturity. So I haven't argued with people um, in a while. Even, you know, sometimes I have some with business have some uncomfortable calls. You know, sometimes I have to deal with some stuff that, you know, like, oh man, super uncomfortable. And this is part of business. And I had one a few weeks ago related to business that was very uncomfortable, but I really meditate before and I go very focused to, and to respond to like, okay, I know this conversation is going to be uncomfortable, but based on my values and what I believe, they're going to say this, they're going to try to convince them. So they say something, say like, are you trying to me con- convince me of your idea or can I express mine? Can I express mine? I don't agree with yours. Well, but uh, that's okay. Mm-hmm. You can keep your idea. I don't, I don't have to agree. So we're going to agree and disagree. And uh, the thing is, well, we're going to disagree, man. You're not going to change my mind. Apparently, I'm not going to change yours. So there's no point of stressing at all. So see ya. Yeah. And you got to discipline your mind for that because it's not easy. I wish it was well, like that simple, but it's not. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what, too, Gustavo, now with um, social media, man, that stuff puts you to the test because you get a lot of people behind keyboards that are, you know, giving their opinions, right? And, you know, for myself, I decide that, you know, social media is one of my big things for, you know, marketing you know, the sport and, you know, my, my, my businesses. And I've already come to terms that, I'm putting myself out there. Therefore, there's going to be a lot of people that have opinions. And, you know, I think the most comical one, you know, and I don't go and read the comments. You know, I'm a big listener of the Joe Rogan podcast and he always says it. You know, I think it was uh, one of the guys that he said on there. He's like, they're all about reading their comments. And he's like, dude, that's the first thing you don't do. Like, don't read the comments. He goes, Mm -hmm. I don't even read any of them. And, you know, you look at Dana White, like he gets into like, all kinds of battles with people on, on his Instagram all the time. But, but here's the funny one is that, you know, uh, it was, I, and the first time I've ever gone to Reddit, you know, um, one of my, one of my students said, you know, screenshotted something or sent me the link. He's like, ah, check this out. You know, people are talking about the Academy and then, you know, start reading. And, uh, one guy was there. He's like, yeah, that AJ guy is very pretentious. And I was like, what the hell? I have to even Google what the pretentious was. I was like, what's <laughs> going on here? And so I, I, went, I, went to, uh, I, went, I went out for coffee with a friend. And they were like, man, 
what a compliment. And I'm like, what do you mean what a compliment? They're like, well, knowing you, you know, like you, you know, you worked hard, you, you do your thing and, you know, to get to where you are and someone's going to call you pretentious for all the hard work that you've done and all the hard work you do for the, for the jujitsu scene. Hey, it's a compliment. And so I was like, okay, thank you for that spin on that. But, you know, at the, you know, my first glance was like, all right, who am I going to choke? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I've but, been there. Yeah. So, you know what? It, it's, I just laugh, you know, I, I don't worry about what people say. That's their opinion, like you said. And it doesn't stop me from doing and seeing my vision and, and, and going in that direction at all. Yeah. It's, it's all about perception. You know, yeah. it's that's their perception. I mean, they have a an account on Facebook or Instagram, and they go they're all black belts. Yeah, and one of the things I'm 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 definitely, uh, let's say I'm taking like a really social media break in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been spending a lot of time working on myself and doing a lot of different things, and and but I haven't been very active like I used to you know, on Facebook, but yeah, once in a while, you know, some people would come in with some of my videos and say stuff and that's it. That's, that's their opinion. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to become a reality. It doesn't mean that it's not going to trigger me. You know what I mean? I'm a human, human being. I, I'm going to get annoyed and maybe years ago, uh, maybe I'll go there and I have to say something back and defend myself, you know? Yeah. And sometimes that's what they want. They want that battle. You know what I mean? The online battle. Exactly. And, I just, just just learn to say screw it, and that's it. Yeah. I'm like, cool, yeah, awesome, good for you, buddy. And you know? <laughs> and uh, and move on. Exactly. So, yeah. what is um one of a book that you read that made a big impact on you that you like to share with people? And I always mention this to people because they say there's so many book, great books that we read, but sometimes some of them just read, just reach you like in a specific time that it just give you like, oh, wow, never thought about this. You know, mm-hmm. it could be even a book that you read and maybe five years later you read again and like, oh my God, I didn't even realize this. So what would be a book and a, uh, that you could recommend and why? Yeah. So one of my good friends, Jeff Wilson, um, you know, I first met him when I first started training jujitsu um, and he has been a friend of mine for, for 20 years. Um, he actually, you know, uh, works with me on my MMA events and stuff. He's a commentator. He just started a uh, podcast called fighters, coaches and, and fighters or athletes. Um, but he recommended that I buy the book, the power of focus. Mm. And um, it's by Jack Canfield. And that was probably the first book that I ever read. Mm -hmm. It was probably like, I don't know, I would say about 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was probably the first book that I read from the front cover to the back. Because like I told you, my ADHD, man, does not allow me to focus that long on a book. Mm-hmm. You know, right. nowadays I'm all about audiobooks. I listen, I listen a lot. But that book um, was, you know, how how to hit your 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 business personal and financial targets with absolute certainty. So it gives you a lot of like, you know, strategies and, and you know, things like that to 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 meet those goals. You know, like I, I mentioned this quote earlier in the podcast, think big, act small. Um, you know, I had a vision for my school is to be the biggest, you know, academy in the city. You know, I have about 200, 200 students. 
um, right now. And I started out with, you know, 10 guys. So, you know, I thought big, but I was staying small for so many years. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't go out and spend all the money and be like, hey, I'm going to be the biggest academy, buy a 10,000 square foot building and, you know, have five guys in the middle of it, you know, mm-hmm. paying five, $10,000 a month. So, you know, that was a big thing for me, you know, um, think big, act small. Um, and then, you know, find, find successful mentors. Find successful people. Surround yourself. You know, one of the ways that I love to market my gym is um, through through success stories. You know, that's all I love to do is, um, you know, um, highlight my students, you know, um, try to inspire my students with my own stories. You know, I put out a, a mini documentary on on the road to, to gold. That was um, really cool, actually. Good job. Yeah. I don't know who did it, but it was a great job. Yeah, to, to, you know, um, winning the world championships, the masters, um, you know, and so, you know, looking for mentors, I have so many mentors, I I believe I gravitated to you so much over the years, Gustavo is because like, we, you know, we related so much on so many topics. You know, I I, I talk so highly about you, I tell everybody, you know, like, man, I I give a lot of credit to to me. winning the worlds i do because you know you, there was things and you probably didn't know that you were directly um which is is i think one of your 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 traits is that you're not directly saying anything but you know usually you know when you and i chat we're just shooting the shit mm-hmm. and you know a, a certain topic will come up and it's relating to what i want to talk about and you know you said why not you aj like why not man you know, and that was one of the themes in, in the in the documentaries. Why not me? Why can't I do this? You know, you, you know, you you've tra- you train, you put all your your you know, you, you made sacrifices. Why not? Why can't it be you? You know, um, so I always surround myself with successful people. I make people aware of um, the successful people that we have inside our gym. Um, you know, I got a reference. Uh, Flavio Almeida's podcast with you, you know, he, 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 he lost focus on his community when he was starting to expand. Mm-hmm. And I almost did a similar thing, you know, not during my expansion, but just during the whole, you know, process of, you know, running my gym, I started to lose, you know, the focus on my, on my community and, and focusing on that and building a team and, and making people aware of their contribution to everything that was going on inside the gym. You know, if a guy went to a tournament and won, well, guess what? The lawyer that has no intentions to ever stepping foot on a tournament mat was that guy's main training partner. And I can look to him and say, Hey man, do you understand you're a big piece of this puzzle right now? you know, and, and really focusing on that, you know, instead of just being like, we made a world champion here right now, you know, mm-hmm. like we got a world champion in here and, you know, let's praise him as much as we can and, and all that. But, and, and forgetting all the people that helped him get there. Right. Yeah. Even though jujitsu is an individual sport, you know, we only step on the mat. We're the only person that steps on that mat, but we needed that team. We needed our people, our training partners to get us there. And, you know, um, so, Inside the, inside the gym, I'm always now making sure that, you know, we're aware of everybody's contributions, you know, um, making sure that, you know, they realize how many successful people that they're surrounded by. And I believe if you surround yourself with successful people, you're going to be successful one way or another. 
it may not be in jujitsu. Um, it, it was, you know, I facilitated, you know, I like to say I facilitated this, but you know, we, I had two business owners in my gym and I mean, high level business owners, guys that, you know, they're not, they're, they're no jokes in, in our city. Uh, one guy was expanding. He had a building. The other guy was looking for a building and you know what? I said, Hey, this guy, this building might be for you, you know, mm -hmm. and that all happened inside the gym. You know, we have, you know, relationships, we have, you know, business acquisitions and exchanges. And, you know, um, I utilize pretty much every one of my students to build my gym, um, to expand. I had plumbers, I had electricians, I had contractors. The contractor that I, that led my whole expansion was one of my brown belts. The plumber that did all the plumbing was one of my blue belts and one of my brown belts. The electrician was a long time training partner mm -hmm. of mine who's a purple belt, you know, um, straight away from jujitsu a little bit, but I was able to bring him back through, you know, the work that he did for me and, um, got him back on the mat. But, um, yeah, that would be the, the book that you know I would recommend was the power of focus and that made me really focus on surrounding my people with those the successful people you know making sure that I had a mentor and you know someone to lead me and you know everybody you know that's one of my messages is that everybody needs a leader everybody needs a mentor everybody needs someone to talk to you know um, and, and ask for advice. So in, in that book, you know, I'm really, now that I think about it, I, I'd really like to read it again. If I could find the audio book on it, mm -hmm. I, I'd listen to it again. I don't know if I could read it, but um, that's the you one know, that I would. Uh, uh, you know, what's interesting, my very first personal development book was a Jack Canfield book. Uh, the Principles of Success was a five audio book uh, set. And I um, was my beginning of my personal development journey maybe i can't remember because i watched that movie the secret maybe sometime 2008 2009 and that kind of sparked the interest there's a you know there's a lot of good stuff there there's some misleading stuff and in a way too or people just think that or just think positive is going to happen i don't need to take any action so uh be careful with that but it was uh it sparked my interest and i saw some of the the speakers that I connect with and Jack Canfield was one of them. I was like, oh, I want to know more about this guy. So I put him on Google. So like, Hey, let me get, you know, his book. So he, uh, him was the first one that actually sparked me the interest and, uh, made a big impact on me. And I'm, um, it's not my main one, but I'm saying like, it, uh, it definitely isn't a top of like waking up sort of feeling like, Oh wow, there's more thing I need to pay attention. And one of the things that I want to mention to AJ that, uh, I agree 100% having mentors and I don't think people, people shouldn't underestimate the power of virtual mentors, online mentors. There's so many people, for example, um, let's say if I go uh, old school uh, personal development people like Jim Rome or Les Brown, I listen so much content from those guys. They were mentors for me online mentors they not even know that i'm a you know that i exist you know but uh, you know they were mentors as well gary vaynerchuk he's a mentor for millions of people you know what i mean like i use so many strategies from him you know so of course you need that that connection to talk with people absolutely but don't underestimate the power of virtual mentors another one that i have is uh brandon bouchard he uh, i probably ran into him uh, to his content in 2014 and that was like
whoa, 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 whoa. I got, I got to change. I was doing so many things like not wrong, but out of order in entrepreneurship and how I was trying to promote things. I was like, wow, it, it really opened my mind. And then I started to get really into his courses. And then I actually met him uh, personally because I became a certified uh, high performance coach that he has um, once a year, like 200 people get certified and stuff. It's a big investment financially. And I've done that two years ago and it was huge. You know, I've been watching him online for a long time. And then I had a chance to actually, you know, just start going to live events, smaller settings that I could learn. And I use stuff all the time and I still do. And I do high performance coach for entrepreneurs. And I use a lot of the stuff that you're not just like, I'm using what I teach. You know, I'm literally like, doing my best to live what I've been learning from him from a, for the most part, he's an online mentor. Yes. I, but I, I never sat down one-on-one with him. I've been in smaller settings with him, but, but it is not like, like that, you know, but it's an online mentor. So just throwing the people out there, do not underestimate because I go through phases that I go and I listen to someone for two weeks, man, I research everything. This guy watch all kinds of stuff, buy content, I'm like, okay, nice. Now I'm going to have another online mentor for maybe a few weeks or a month. Like this guy I mentioned from actualize.org. Man, he, he tell you some stuff that you're like, whoa, never thought about that. You know, and he's part of like, you know, one of my online mentors too. So this is something to throw out there for people not to underestimate the same way they use for jujitsu, the jujitsu instructionals, you know, and people buy online courses from Mandy's brother. Yeah. They are like online mentors. They are, they're using stuff, they're using the content or whoever online programs, you know, uh, people have, you know, so that it's, uh, it's huge for people not to underestimate that. Now to uh, wrap it up, what are you currently excited about? What's going on? Um, I, I think I'm excited about, I'm, I'm going to be doing, uh, one of my MMA events here, December 1st, and I think it's going to be my last, um, you know, I have, I have an opportunity to possibly sell, you know, my promotion company and have someone take over who I feel is really passionate about, you know, MMA. Um, and that's going to allow me to focus more on the jujitsu side of things on promoting jujitsu. Um, I'm really excited about, you know, some of the new features that I'm adding to my tournaments, um, you know, some of the, um, softwares and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, I started mm-hmm. to implement smooth comp for the last three tournaments that I've had, um, and just making a great experience for, for jujitsu athletes. Um, I, I, I see some more things that I could be doing and, and all of that. And I can take all that energy that I, I put into the MMA side of things into just strictly jujitsu. Um, I'm not even running a MMA program in my gym anymore. It's just jujitsu. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Just looking forward to dedicating more time and energy to promoting jujitsu tournaments. Awesome. So getting close to the end, just remind all the listeners who have been listening. If you haven't listened to it on my podcast at the end, I do what it's called the uh, final thoughts that I give some opinions, uh, some thing about that, uh, things that I've heard, some takeaways, let's say, that I got from the interview. And, and I take that very seriously to always doing my best to deliver good, powerful content that can help you, the listener, and in your journey and what's going on and sharing everything that I've been learning that I still got so much to learn 
in personal development and entrepreneurship, but I do my best to research and come up with a, with different strategies and so forth. And sometimes the, the final thoughts can vary from like five to 15 minutes. It depends. So after I finish here and then I go and I listen again and add it in and I start putting the ideas like, hey, what do I want to, what are some of the things that I want to bring up for people that would be great to reinforce, you know, and it's been awesome, man. We do that usually on Skype with the only difference that we're recording and making public. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. so, uh, that, so that's the, the only difference. So yeah. Um, so, yeah, just tell us how people can find out more about you, about Complete Martial Arts, about your events, whatever you want to plug. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to hit me up or follow me, it's AJ Scales one on Instagram. My website is completemma.ca. And, you know, the events that I promote, you can find at martialartsevents.ca. Awesome. So thank you so much, AJ. Appreciate your time. And for all the listeners, stick around for my final thoughts. Oos. Oos. Let me share with you my final thoughts from the interview with AJ Scale. For the listeners who just listened to the final thoughts, AJ is a black belt from Wagner Fabiano. He owns and operates Complete Martial Arts and Fitness located in Regina, Saskatchewan, and he is the tournament promoter for the Saskatchewan BJJ Federation in Canada. Hopefully, you're able to grab at least one good idea from the interview. He talked about the importance of entrepreneurs having mentors people who might have lived already what you're going through right now, and it can be a big influence in your success. And he also shared with you the concept that he learned from the book, The Power of Focus, from Jack Canfield and two more authors, Mark Victor Hansen and Les Hewitt. The concept is think big, act small. Since I haven't read the book, I decided to research more about it, and I read and watched some video summaries about the book so I could learn and expand the idea a little bit more for you. I Google think big, act small, just for curiosity and interesting different perceptions and quotes popped up. There's actually a book called Think Big, Act Small, How America's Most Profitable Companies Keep the Startup Spirit Alive by Jason Janis. And I also found Think Big, Act Bigger, The Rewards of Being Relentless by Jeffrey Hazlett. People have different perceptions, sometimes very similar content, however, worded differently, and it's up to you to decide whatever concept applies to you. The message of the book, The Power of Focus, is trying to convey on the Think Big, Act Small chapter is small actions add up to larger results. Matter of fact, the book, The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson, calls this concept the compound effect. The consistency of small daily actions will lead to the success you desire. AJ mentioned that he has been listening to the podcast and he shared with you how Vitor Shaolin, Flavio Almeida, Victor Doria, and others have mentioned how consistency is the key to success. And consistency is a mental game. I mentioned during the interview that I follow the podcast and website actualize.org with Leo Gura. And this week I listened to a cool phrase he said, the key to success is to discipline your mind. You need to discipline your mind to be consistent with your habits and consequently will impact your goals. The book, The Power of Focus, talks about habits and it mentioned that your practices create your habits and good practices 
create good habits. If every morning you wake up and you have the habit of eating one donut in the morning, you, my friend, are being very consistent. Unfortunately, this habit is going to break you. Looking at one bad habit a day at a time may not appear damaging. However, the compound effect, the long-term effects of bad habits will. So your job is to break the habits that are breaking you. Now, let me ask you this. If you are really committed to change some habits that you know they are not helping you, I have a few questions. One is, what would you stop doing right now? And what would you start doing? They gave three suggestions on the book. The, the number one is identify the bad habit, which is what do you need to stop doing? Number two, define the new habit, which means what do you need to start doing? And the third one, take action. What step exactly can you start taking today so you can start the process of changing this habit? They mentioned that 90% of our normal behaviors are habits, and persistence makes the new habit automatic. Think big, act small. Think big about the changes that you want to make and take daily small steps. Remember, consistency is everything when you're changing habit. Matter of fact, my favorite book, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz, states that it takes three weeks of consistent work to adopt a new behavior. So why not give it a try? I would like to close with a quote from the book, The Power of Focus, that says, any bad habit you don't change won't help you. Make a habit of changing your habits. Oh, We're glad you were able to join us for this episode of the BJJ Mental Coach Podcast. But the lesson doesn't end here. Watch the videos and download the audio of the 10 mental mistakes BJJ competitors make and how to avoid them for free when you subscribe to the BJJMentalCoach.com. Don't miss the chance to find out what might be holding you back from being your best self on and off the mat. That's the BJJMentalCoach.com.